Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. I missed the clap. <laughs> oh, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast. That was actually really funny. So I usually do the clap when we're going to get started. And guys, what the clap does is it synchronizes our mics. It does a spike in the audio so the engineer knows where to kind of overlap them. And Diego is like, ready, Felipe? One, two. And I missed the clap. That's <laughs> kind of funny. I bet yeah. the listeners are like, what the hell is he talking about? Totally missed it. But it's okay. That's okay. Diego, how is Austin weather right now, dude? Because Nashville is freaking hot. Dude, uh, yesterday was, well, Sunday was 111 degrees. So at the hottest times in Austin right now is between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. No way. So, yeah, it is insane. That's How hot is it over there? Uh, it's in the, like, it'll break 100 at the hottest time, like at 2 or 3, but it's it's okay. Uh, it's not, like, super terrible. I was in Phoenix this week, and oh, my gosh. Like stepping outside was like an oven. Like you would just. Yes. Bro, I couldn't eat good. I, it was all just water the whole time and juice because it, it, just, it was just too hot. Man, it was terrible. Man. And um, was it humid over there in Phoenix? No, it was dry. I had this like dry cough the whole time. I don't mm. know if you ever had that where it's just like um, it's like a cough, but there's nothing there. It was so frustrating. Mm, yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so I was in Phoenix for the Limitless Financial Independence Expo. It was interesting because I was so surprised who, how many people were there, Diego. There was Brandon Turner, Thatch, Kara uh, from Beckman House, um, uh, Belen the Builder was there, Anton Rat Race, REI Call Center was there, my buddy, um, Investor Girl Britt was there, and the list goes on and on and on. Like all these like social media influencers. Uh, and like real estate rock stars were there. And then I met some new people from the West Coast that were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, there was a lot of people there. I was really, really surprised. Dude, I even uh, saw that because um, you sent me a message that there's this kid who's like 13 or 15 and he's been doing some flips or some investing. What was that about? Yeah, so there's these two kids, a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. Um, <clears throat> I met him at the conference. I was at the REI Call Center booth. And they walked by. And I'm going to be 100% honest on the podcast here. I didn't even stand up from my chair when they arrived at the booth. I felt like a douchebag after. Because I was like, oh, they're, they're kids. Like, what am I going to do, right? Like, they literally mm-hmm. just walked up to the booth. And, like, they grabbed a little pamphlet. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I get it. Their parents brought them here. You know, they're in the right circles to get started. They stood there for a second. And I was like, okay, I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't judge. Because they're super hell young. Pimples on their face. And, um... <laughs> Dude, like, I'm like, hey, my name is Felipe. You know, how you doing? I'm, I'm the co-founder here of REI Call Center. How can we help you? Uh, kind of just trying to avoid the, the whole spiel of REI. And they were like, hey, my name is. And he introduced himself. And, his, and he was like, this is my little brother. And I was like, okay, awesome. What do you guys do? He's like, well, we're real estate investors. And I was like, oh, that's cool. How many units do your parents own? And he goes, no, no, no. I own 55 and my brother owns 33. Oh, man. And I said, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, I own 55 units and my little brother here owns 33. And I was like, oh, 
that's awesome. How did you fund that many deals? Or, you know, you're 16 years old. And he goes, oh, well, it all started with a duplex that I found off market. And I asked my dad if he could help me buy it. And he told me, no, I could go figure it out. Because his dad invests in real estate heavily, hundreds of units. And he, his dad told him, no, he didn't give him a penny to get started. But he gave him a phone number of a hard money lender. And that was it. He got wow. a hard money lender, helped him fund the deal. He took it down. He refinanced it and then just did it again over and over and over again. Uh, and that goes to show you the power of knowledge, right? I'm I'm starting to learn <clears throat> that real estate is either purchased with money or knowledge. And most people don't have either, which is why they can't invest. Mm -hmm. uh, and these kids were showing me that, that anyone can invest at any age, at any time, if you have the right knowledge. That's awesome it was very Man. impressive i'm not gonna lie yeah the way they especially, were talking was huge especially with the right connections right because like if you find a deal and you know how to analyze the market and and get it at a at potentially at a discount that the hard money will be like oh this is a no-brainer not even what what your age is no matter what like you can mess up and i will still get yeah um that's cool yeah it was it was absolutely wild um, and then Brandon Turner got on stage after that conversation and, and spoke. We had Thatch get up. Robert Kiyosaki was there. He spoke. Um, and some of the things that we were talking about, <clears throat> Diego, at the event was Headspace. Mm -hmm. And this was something interesting to me because I had never heard of this before, but it totally makes sense. And what people were saying was, are you... Um, using too much bandwidth in not money making activities. So when I was listening to that, I was like, okay, what are they talking about? Mm -hmm. And as I was listening, they were saying that like high level individuals use their headspace. And when they say headspace, they mean bandwidth. Like how much bandwidth do you have in a day? They use their bandwidth for money making activities and hire out the rest of the day to day, including like putting out fires. So when you think about your day, do you spend your day putting out fires or do you spend your day in relationships, in knowledge, in, in activities that are going to make you more money for you or your business? So <clears throat> it was interesting because some of the people that were talking were like taking down, let's say, a $20 million apartment complex. And this gentleman in, in particular was like, you know, I can focus on the due diligence of the property. I can focus on the rent roll of the property. I can focus on the um, what upgrades it needs. I can focus on all those things. And when I started, that is what I thought I'd be doing. But he says that his investors challenged him to be more in the space of creating relationships, going to mm. events, shaking hands, kissing babies on their foreheads, <laughs> right? Like that's what you see the president doing on TV. <clears throat> And he was saying that that's where he realized that like his job wasn't necessarily to do the due diligence on the property. It was to build relationships with the money that's going to help take down the property. And that made a lot of sense because I don't have his permission to, to say who he is, so I won't. But he was like, that's why I hire out the due diligence team. I hire out everything. Um, and I'm the one out making relationships, raising the funds for the $20 million deal. Mm. And I was like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, and anyways, it was really cool to hear that about about mind um, about mind space, like your mind, your bandwidth, and how you know it, you shouldn't spend your day 
putting out fires at the beginning. Sure, that's what you're going to do. But as you grow and scale, you need to think about what are the activities that you do on a day to day that bring in the finances to take down deals, raise your company, buy a flip, like whatever the case may be. It's pretty cool. And that might be through like hiring people out, creating systems, optimizing, right? Yep, absolutely. So he was like, you know, you have to multiply yourself, right? Like, I'm not going to be able to go do due diligence and network and raise funds and talk to the property managers. Like a deal would never get done if Mm -hmm. one person had to go do all of it. So you have to find people, multiply yourself to take down a business or to grow a business or to do whatever it is that your goal is that you're trying to do. Um, So you find people, surround yourself with people that have the same goals and vision as yourself and are willing to put in the work. And then this way you guys can go do three things in one day. For example, I can be networking at an event. Uh, My associate partner or hiree can be uh, doing the due diligence. And then we have a, uh, you know, a a guy or a girl back at the office answering the phones. So now I've multiplied myself into three different things that all three positions can answer for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this way I get more done in a day. And I was like, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. So that was the first thing uh, that we that I kind of picked up at the event. And then uh, the second thing was time blocking. Now, a lot of people already know about this, but there's but I didn't. And there's plenty of people I think that don't where high level individuals don't have to do lists. They don't necessarily write things down in the perspective of like where most people are just like, oh, I have to write this email today. I have to send this text message today or I need to follow up with this person today. It's more of a time block thing where they'll say, okay, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. I'm going to work out. That is my time block. From 9 to 10, I'm going to send out all of my emails for the day. If I get replies, I will time block at 4 o'clock again to do that. Or if some are an emergency, obviously, you know, you can scale those up. But you have when you're going to send them out and then when you're going to reply in a business day, respectfully. Mm-hmm. Um, you have time block for your lunch. You have time block for certain meetings. So instead of having a to-do list where you're like, oh, I got to do this email today, so I'll get to it, where you don't actually get to it, or you may forget, you just time block for certain things. And I thought that was super powerful. You have 8 to 9, 9 to 10, anyways, your whole business day. And Mm -hmm. the day before, you just go through what needs to get done. You you put a time for it, a 15 or 30-minute slot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, apparently that's more like how high level individuals or high performers um, are able to get a lot done in one day. They just time block for it and say at, you know, 315 today, this email will go out. And that's what you do at 315. Yeah. So I thought that was super powerful, um, a way to get a lot of things done in a day. Yeah. And what that goes to show is that your mind is not trying to think about it right it's like oh my gosh i'm gonna forget i need to do it now or no because you already have it like it's on your schedule hey because on the realtor side you sort of like have to do that if not you will go crazy uh like when you're gonna be returning calls if you're out and about or returning emails right because that's very important just like what you were saying um usually it's better to time block like People say, hey, if you're a realtor and you want to sell houses or whatever, you want to make sure that that you're having at least 50 conversations a day, right? But if you go throughout the day thinking, oh my gosh, I need to do this. I need to hit my 50 conversations. I need to hit it. uh, You're going to be stressed out because stuff always comes up, 
But if you know that it's on your calendar, that it is from 9 to 10, and you respect that, then that's when you know that you're going to be able to hit your 50, or maybe it's in the afternoon, but you don't have to think about it. Because then if not, you're feeling stressed, and that takes on even more headspace of things that you're feeling bad. It's like, hey, I shouldn't be having this long lunch because I need to hit my 50. It's like, no, you have it on your schedule. You're going to do it later. That's cool. Yeah, that's huge because a lot of people will do that. They'll... The reason I think time blocking is really important, Diego, is because I feel like a lot of people are not present in the moment in things that they're doing because they have so much to do. Right. So they'll Mm -hmm. go, let's say a hard money lender and and a realtor or a a wholesaler, whatever, go out to lunch and you there as a wholesaler trying to make a new relationship for some money that you want to raise for a deal. But, you know, you got to send an email, you know, you got to get your uh, LLC set up, you know, you have to make all these phone calls like you have a lot going on. So you're in the meeting with this hard money lender, but you're not really present. You're just Mm -hmm. there like physically, but your mind is back at the office or worse. Let's say you're a parent and you have a a kid, right? And like you're there physically with your kid, but you're not there present. You're not presently there with your child and your kid knows that. Or if you're in a business meeting, the owner of the business knows that you're not really there. But if you are time blocking your time, Mm you're not thinking about what's next because you already know what's next. You're not thinking, Oh, I have a ton to do today because you already know that you're able, you're going to have time to get to it because you've time blocked for it. And what this also does is put preference and importance on things that are uh, most crucial to you. So let's say that you are in that meeting and you're present there because you've already time blocked the things that are important for you. You're not thinking about things like, Oh, I'm going to forget this or I'm going to forget that because you've already scheduled it out. So you can yeah. be present in the moment of where you're at, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, if you have kids and stuff, right? I remember I was with my niece. Uh, man, I'll never forget. So this was like about a year and a half ago. Uh, she was probably like freaking four years old, I think. And yeah. uh, we were out on the beach. We had literally jumped out from the boat to go into the little island. And she's like, hey, Diego, uh, can you put your phone down and play with me? And like in my head, I was like playing with her, but no, like, because I was on my phone the whole time, right? In my mind, I was like, Hey, I'm with her. I'm playing. But she's like, Hey, can you put down your phone? I was like, Oh yes, I will. I put it down for like 30 minutes or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, But they noticed. And I was like, Holy crap. She's like four years old. And she notices that even though I'm with her, I'm not really with her. Um, Yeah. That's happened to me with my son as well. I mean, like, uh, if we're in the pool playing, um, you know, and I get a, a a text that I'm waiting for or a reply to something or, you know, a client might be waiting for me to call them back. Uh, I've gotten out of the pool to go like real quick text it back. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to text back. And I'm going to jump back in the pool. And um, I have noticed in those situations where like my son's energy level just goes down afterwards. And it's because there's an interruption in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not quality anymore. It's just how much time I get to spend with him. So it's not quality of time anymore. It's the quantity that I'm giving him. And uh, he's not there for that. And your business partner, your, um, you know, your relationships are all going to feel the same thing. If you're mm-hmm. not present in a meeting, uh, everyone is going to notice, right? Because you're, you're even though even though you can function, like, let's say that you can highly function that way, you have to be you have to be present. And I've noticed that with like, uh, my family, right? So like with my son, I have to be there, 
even if it's not four or five hours a day, if I'm there solid one or two hours with him playing after school, like, dude, that's like he can eat that up all day. But if mm -hmm. I'm with him two or three hours a day, but I'm on my phone the whole time, like it, it doesn't do us any good, me nor him. Yeah. Um, and and it's it, that translates to business, too. Right. If you're if you're in a business meeting or you're trying to build a relationship with a new client or whatever, like if you haven't time blocked in your day isn't blocked out for that meeting like you're going to be split and the people are going to know it too a hundred percent so the next thing that i that i talked about um um at limitless and i heard a lot of other people uh, talking was time debt and this correlates directly with your with time blocking it's your time debt so everyone has the same amount of hours right the next day you got 24 hours the next day you have 24 hours whatever most of that's going to go to sleeping, eating, uh, and then just like going back and forth from whatever it is that you're doing. But a lot of people will say yes to a lot of things that doesn't necessarily benefit them in any way. Um, or it maybe it does a little, but you're still giving up. If we started looking as, uh, at our 30-minute intervals in our day as money, how much of that would we still be giving out as we did with our time? Um <clears throat> So your time debt, are you promising your tomorrow before it even comes? So like look at your calendars for everyone listening and see how many things you have said yes to already for tomorrow, the next day, the day after, where you don't even know if or what's what are the things that are going to come up tomorrow? Like you might say yes to a meeting that you don't absolutely have to be at. Or yes to a coffee that someone needs some help with, I don't know, analyzing a deal. But you robbed yourself of an opportunity of meeting a new lender, a new investor, a new whatever, right? So time debt is really important because you don't want to give away your whole day tomorrow, the next day, or the next day if you haven't, if that hasn't even come yet. So I would challenge everyone listening to not give away your time. Uh, or, or every every moment, every second of your time. Allow yourself one or two hours a day to be unscheduled. It can be for yourself. It can be for a walk. It can be for whatever the case may be. But give yourself one or two hours a day that are not promised to anyone but yourself. If you want to go take that meeting, then go do that. If you want to go have a coffee by yourself, then go do that. But don't lock away all of your time every day because in my opinion, that's how you get to 65 without with just a blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if by doing that, you're not being as productive as you can. Right. Because sometimes you go to meetings where I was and this this happened to me at GM a few times where I would go to to a meeting and I was like, this could have easily been an email. Right. Like, yeah. Like it's like, hey, we just need to approve these two things. Is it an A or B? Do we want to postpone it to next week or whatever, right? But I was like, this could easily be a meet, uh, an email. Um, so yeah, for sure, for sure. I um, there was a period where I was like to make it to make the meetings as productive as possible, right? This was when I was like on a podcast or something like that. People will reach out and be like, hey, I just heard you on a podcast. Can you tell me a little bit more about house hacking? So I was like, yes, I can listen to this other podcast where I tell you a little bit more about my story on house hacking, and then we can jump on a call because so it's much easier for that? him to, 
because it's much easier for him to ask me questions on how I did certain decisions or like why I took certain decisions rather than how I did it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, hey, um, it was like, why did you, it will be like, why did you invest in that area rather than, hey, how do you find tenants? It was like, well, on the podcast, I say about how I do stuff, but why can be more on calls. Um, And it made the call much more productive rather than me saying the same thing over and over again. Yep, 100% I agree with that. Um, Same thing, you know, I I get DMs and calls all the time uh, where people will ask the same thing, like, um, you know, why did you start, you know, converting single family homes? And it's like, well, I've told that story a hundred times. So the right questions, I think, can definitely get you in the right room. So make that a Mm -hmm. priority. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I agree 100%. The next thing that I was that I um, learned at Limitless was, you know, having a plan uh, versus having like a process and a procedure, right, for mm. your for for your idea. So most people just have a plan. It's just like, hey, I just have a, I would like to get to a quarter million dollars this year in revenue. Or I'd like to get 10 rental properties, right? <clears throat> but a lot of people don't have a strategy. Mm. And that is the difference between like number one and number two. Number one in the race, number the Super Bowl winner, the NBA champions always have a strategy. Hey, coach, <clears throat> how did you guys win this game? Well, we stuck to our strategy and that's how we won. Numbers. Place number two and place number three, third place and second place, always have a plan. Like listen to interviews. Like you will, you may or may not reach your goals with a plan. But in my opinion, if you can create a strategy around KPIs in your business, you are more prone to reach those than if you just had a plan. Most people are like, okay, I'm going to work my ass off every single day to sell 50 homes. And that's a plan. And Diego, you're a realtor, but I bet you see a lot of realtors burn out when all they do is have a plan. But -hmm. when you have a strategy of like, okay, I'm going to make 10 calls today. I'm going to set up three meetings. I'm going to go to one open house and shake hands. And, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, that is my day to day strategy that I'm going to create around a time blocked schedule so that I can sell 50 homes. Yes, that is more likely to happen than I'm going to work my ass off daily and that's my plan. Exactly. Yeah, because you have your goal and then the plan is to work your ass off, like you said, but no strategy. That's why some realtors, um, talking on the realtor side, right, is like they have shiny object syndrome where uh, it has happened with like, hey, I'm going to start farming this neighborhood, but I'm also going to be cold calling Fizbos and then I'm going to go door knock, but at the same time, I have to go to this meetup and then I'm going to go to do open houses. Um, And so like, so people are all over the place and they don't really commit to one certain thing where on the marketing side, right? It does take time. It does take time to see the, the, the results because you also have to get better at your craft. Like if you start cold calling the first month, you're probably not going to do much. 
but if you start cold calling that like, your scripts are going to be better and all of that stuff and uh, and so from that perspective you will be able to commit to one thing based on that strategy become a master of your craft and then get the results i agree 100 percent. that happens a lot in like in in what i see with like uh masterminds or uh learning to wholesale or you know just different avenues of real estate, airbnb mm-hmm. you know different avenues of real estate like you said people get shiny object syndrome and go to here and go to there and what's interesting is those things work airbnb works wholesaling mm-hmm. works flipping houses works rental property works all these things work but it's about having a strategic plan <clears throat> to conquer those right like what is yeah. your strategy that you're going to use to be a great Airbnb host or a great flipper, right? Yeah. Saying exactly. I have a goal of half a million dollars in cash flow is not a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Saying I'm going to buy uh, 10 homes every month for the next five years to reach this, that's a strategy. And then you break that down even more. And eventually you break that down so much that it becomes a time blocked incentive. Today, I'm going to call three hard money lenders between 9 and 10. Between 10, 15 and 11, 15, I am going to, and then you just keep going down the block, finding out how you're going to reach the strategic goal that you have. And I think a lot of people don't do that. They just kind of wake up in the morning and it's like, okay, what am I going to do today? Right? Yeah. They have a plan what they want, but they don't have a strategy behind the idea of what they want to do, which is why I think a lot of people get burnt out. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And for for people, um, I think that this podcast is gonna go um, go live. I think in the next next week or the week after. So for people in the audience listening to this, um, take action on what Felipe has said on the strategy. And my recommendation would be as we start Q three, which wow. is crazy that we're we're done with half of the year. As we start Q three. Uh, maybe take half of a Sunday or a few hours over a weekend and discuss what are going to be your goals for Q3. But not only that, but what is the strategy that you're going to put in place to make sure that you can make that happen? That's going to be super important as we uh, we start Q3. So I'm going to talk about my plans and goals and how what strategy I'm using. And then, Diego, I'd like you to say one of yours. Mm-hmm. Um so I just sprung that on you. So be thinking about it. But for me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> right, my uh, strategy for 2022 was two things. Buy as much cash flow producing debt as possible and, and mitigate my taxes. So what am I doing to do that? Well, my strategy was to buy a larger building with partners, uh, whether it's an apartment, whether it's in a syndication, whatever. But I have to get tax benefits. So we did two things. We've purchased a apartment complex, a 34. Um, I also purchased three cabins uh, for Airbnb in the Smoky Mountains, which will give me a huge cost segregation. Um, And then the last thing that I'm doing is uh, I want to partner with another gentleman to buy something in Chattanooga, more of a uh, small, um, what's it called, like a commercial unit with like three buildings in it. And the strategy behind that will be three years of uh, huge tax breaks before we repurpose the building or see what it is after that. But I know that I'm going to get big tax breaks for the next three years on that deal um, or more, obviously. So now I have the strategy behind that. Well, I had to build a relationship with that guy. I had to get to know him. I had to 
add value to him. I'd have to text him and keep communication open for when the deal did come up. It wasn't an accident that this gentleman sent me an email and saying, hey, are you interested in this deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, and same to you, right? So building those relationships was more important than putting out a fire at a property, right? Not like a literal fire, but like, let's say, I don't know, the window doesn't work or something. It's like, okay, hire that out because I got to go build a relationship here. So my strategy this year was the most amount of cash flow and uh, a good tax uh, shield going forward. Um, so on this on the cash flow side, I can I've, I've been doing this for the last seven years, so it was nothing new. But it was continued to find deals that I could multiply the income on. If the income was thirteen hundred, I wanted twenty six hundred um, for that house. And if it's doable, then I buy it. If it's not, then not. And for mm-hmm. me, that was repurposing the basement as a living dwelling versus just parking space. Um, so we we started looking for those houses specifically. We created a strategy around that. Um, and that was huge for us. And then it was partnering with smart people that had either financing or opportunities. Uh, for example, me and you are buying a house in Augusta, Georgia. We love these little houses. They're $60,000, $70,000. I should... Shouldn't have said that out loud on the podcast because now people are going to flood to Augusta. But it's a fifty, sixty thousand dollar home. Needs twenty, thirty thousand dollars in repair. It'll rent for nine to a thousand bucks. It's just an easy cash flow play. So for me, that fits into the strategy that I have for uh, for cash flow. Do I have an end goal of cash flow? No, I want the most amount of cash flow that I can get with the least amount of properties. I use the bigger properties for tax shield. I use the smaller properties like the single family homes for just super high um, cash flow. So that kind of breaks down my strategy. What am I doing? How am I doing it? What partners am I looking for? And what strategies do I want to use to to kind of accomplish that? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my strategy for the rest of this year. Find cash flow producing properties and and partner with people that are a lot smarter than me that can help me get tax breaks. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. For me, it's something similar to you. Um, the one thing that that I'm adding to that or one thing that I'm doing as part of that strategy as well is potential, well, not potentially, but I am going to sell that one house, the first house hack in Austin, um, just because since property taxes have gone up, there is less cash flow now, um, but because there's a lot of equity in that property, I want to sell it and 1031 into a multi-unit. Um, so that that will definitely be able to, again, be able to do cost segregation. One of the reasons too why I need to do that this year is because this is the last year for 100% cost seg. So I want to take that benefit so that I don't have as much tax liability in the years to come. Um, because... Uh, with the accountant right that that we have um i'm doing that strategy that they call it crack cocaine right so i've been fast forward i've been doing something with my taxes so that i have to pay as much uh with uh, different corporations so but that's gonna come due so i figure that it will be better to do this strategy multiply get as much cost as possible don't not have to pay as much in taxes and then continue to build um, my cash flow as well. So there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on, but like you said, is that strategy. 
then that strategy is important for investing, for taxes, accounting, CPAs, all of that stuff too. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good Q3. No, I'm excited. When are you going to list the property? Uh, probably in July. Nice. Yeah, it Dude. needs to be done before September. So uh, the reason why is because the market, usually when people go back to school and stuff like that, the market slows down in Austin. So I want to do it in the summer. Nice. So your tenants are going to be out. Are you going to do anything to the property before you list it or is it pretty much list ready? It's pretty much list ready. Right now is basically has a long term. Um, it's a long term. It's an Airbnb. So somebody else is renting the property from me um, and then they are Airbnb in it. I just nice. have my solid cash flow, but um, I definitely need to sell that property. You have so much equity. I know exactly which one you're talking about, man. I, I yeah. think it's is it the same one we talked about in Austin. Yeah, the one in Maricela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been told you got to sell that one. There's too yeah. much on that. You gonna 1031 yeah. something else? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see. Well, dude, that's yeah. Those are the biggest things that I that I learned at the Limitless Conference, and I hope people that are listening can take advantage of that and put it into play. Right? It's it's time blocking. It's time debt. It's uh, having a strategy over just having a plan, um, and it's just pursuing that heavily. Um, so yeah, dude, I mean, that's, that's all I had for today. Super excited for those that are listening. I hope they can definitely take something away from that. Yeah. I'm excited to see the, the results and guys, as you guys are planning and putting all of these steps into action, tag us on Instagram at radrace2fi, at Felipe Mejia REI and at real Diego Corzo so that we can share it and see how you guys are taking action. I love it. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Peace. The Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.